Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode is Cues of the Force. Uh, I've said every Q word I know. It is not any of those. It is not Quotidian or Quiznos. It is Questions of the Force. We are very excited to take your questions and see if we can find some A's. Uh, I am Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm kind of like, what if this was Q of the Force and we were putting the theory out there that Q from James Bond was actually a Jedi? <laughs> and also Q from the Q Continuum in mm. Star Trek. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
all the cues at once. I'm sure there's some fan fiction of all different kinds. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible, our first day. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. While I was talking, there is even more titles added. That's how many there are. Uh, We are recommending... The Princess and the Scoundrel by Beth Revis, uh, partially because it's one of my favorite Star Wars books. I know Ken loved it as well, and it also uh, it features the Galactic Star Cruiser, uh, which we'll be wrapping up. We got some great thoughts uh, about somebody who got to experience that that we're going to read later, so it seems like a good time to celebrate that part of the Star Wars galaxy and this book. If you want to check out The Princess and the Scoundrel, you can download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. One more time, that's audibletrial.com slash forcecenter for a free audiobook. One A down, several A's to go. Ken, do you want to talk about our asks? That's right. Our asks are as follows. Uh, We are uh, really excited of the uh, increased support over on patreon.com slash forcecenter. Uh, we, we love it and we feel it and we feel your support. Uh, we have a new goal over there that we're very close to getting to, uh, at $2,200 a month. We're going to do another Star Wars ranked live stream exclusive for patrons, uh, patrons on Patreon and then release it later to the public, like we did with the sequel trilogy scenes episode. But it's a lot of fun to broadcast directly to our audience on Patreon. So consider supporting over there. Uh, also let you know, one of the other things you all made possible is the new revamped YouTube edition of Jedi Beat, and it will premiere Monday, July 17th, run for a total of five weeks. Jennifer, uh, even though she's uh, been taking so much deserved time off in the show, it's still working. She's getting those emails uh, out to us of just, oh, I'm so excited. And so, <laughs> so, much fun. so we're excited for you to revisit those episodes and see it again for the first time, all because of your support at patreon.com slash center. That was a great read of an ask. Clear, <laughs> concise, emotional. It was great. Perfect. Uh, let's see if we can uh, get our A's and answers anywhere near as good as that ask reading. We're going to go into our questions now. We have two from patrons on Patreon. We have one from Twitter and we have a power of the light side segment. We're going to go first uh, to patron Jackson Gavin. Here's what Jackson has to say. On a recent episode, Joseph, you mentioned following certain Star Wars actors and their careers. I had recently sat down to watch a film called Whitnail and I, a dark comedy from the 80s starring Richard E. Grant. He was incredible, but another actor caught me by surprise. Ralph Brown, who played Rick Ollier. He was hilarious in his small role in the film and showed incredible range from his Captain Obvious role in The Phantom Menace. <laughs> I would love more Rick Ollier, by the way. Uh, strongly agreed. Uh, Jackson continues, this preamble leads me to two things. Have any Star Wars actors caught you by surprise in another project? And when the heck are they going to bring Naboo back? Oh, this is two great questions for the space of one. Uh, Ken, uh, have you ever seen uh, Whitnail and I? I have not. I've seen the Spice Girls movie featuring Richard E. Grant. In fact, I own a copy of it because I love it. Uh, I've not seen <laughs> Whitnail and I. Uh, yeah, yeah, I might be uh, saying that uh, incorrectly because it is literally at the top of my uh, Max, HBO Max, Max, Just Max. Uh, mm, not, yes. not, not a fan of that rebranding. Uh, yeah, it's easy to forget. Like, hey, HBO, Warner Brothers, I remember those. Uh, what is this one called? Steve? Uh, it, it's on my Steve queue. Uh, <laughs> anyway, huge fan of Richard E. Grant. And then yeah. the 
other main actor in that is Paul McGann, who Doctor Who fans will know as the Eighth Doctor. So I am incredibly excited. It's one been one of those movies that like uh, sometimes uh, uh, my wife is is away and I'm like, what am I going to watch tonight? And I waste about two hours trying to decide. And this one's always in the mix. So mm. I'll be bumping that back up and able to uh, check that out for the sweet Ralph Brown <laughs> content. Yes. Uh, but going uh, to the first part of Jackson's question about finding uh, Star Wars actors in other places that you didn't know they were. What are some of your favorite moments of, uh, of being surprised by Star Wars actors? Yeah. And I'm trying to separate this from, and some of it matters of, 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 you know, being young and not realizing actors have careers and they appear in other things. And, and that's part of it. Some of the stories I've discussed before, but it's funny, like you mentioned Ralph Brown, I, in 1999 was like the Wayne's world too. Like, yes. <laughs> Brown M&M's. Like, I was just thrilled that Ralph Brown was in Star Wars. Uh, so that, that's the other way around him. And then recently, I, I, I don't know if you have any recent stuff. To, it's, I think it's different. We're much more aware. We've been covering movie news or we're in the business and, it's like, yeah, not only to understand it, but it's still fun. I always laugh when, you know, in a great, uh, you know, way when, when, you know, Game of Thrones people show up as officers in Star Wars and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Same offices, all that kind of thing. But so trying to remove a little bit of that here. I came up with four examples. I'll start with one I've definitely talked about before. Uh, this is, is definitely the, oh my gosh, there's actors in Star Wars and they do other things. Um, it, it, well, I guess I could start with Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, but uh, even <laughs> Uh, in Dirty Run Scoundrels, he's the, the butler. Arthur uh, has that great uh, welcome to hell line. <laughs> Very much like Palpatine. Uh, that movie came out in 88, directed by Frank Oz. Uh, it is a remake uh, of, of an old, 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 old movie. I'm a big Steve Martin fan. Uh, so love that movie. And it just uh, blew my mind. And then, uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't sync it up right away. I wasn't like, oh, Emperor guy. But I was like, that seems familiar. Then I, the name. And, you know, I'm like... 12, 11, you know, IMDb mm-hmm. doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> and so then I went, oh, wait, oh, wait, Ian, Ian McDiarmid, that's, that's the Emperor <laughs> name. Like, oh, my God. And um, and, it, and over the years, that's a movie I, I watch about once a year. I just, I just, uh, you know, it's a small role, uh, but he he chews up the scenery wonderfully when he does appear. And, and I love that role. And you recently watched that movie, right? Yeah, no, it has been on my list. It's one of those movies where I feel like I know a handful of bits of it, of it mm-hmm. from, uh, frankly, uh, not getting to go to the movie theater a lot, but obsessively watching commercials. Yes. <laughs> so anything used in the commercial, uh, for that film uh, is seared in my soul, but I'd never seen, the whole thing and I actually watched it on the flight to celebration and it was great. I'm a big Steve Martin fan as well. Uh, the film was, uh, was, it was a little different than what I kind of, I thought it was a little bit more of a, a raunchy naughty comedy. I think it probably mm. was for the time. And I probably heard people talk about it that way. Right. Um, but you know, in, in modern <laughs> parlance, uh, <laughs> not, not too racy. Uh, mm. I thought it was hilarious. And I loved Ian McDermott's role, the welcome mm. to hell in particular. Yeah. Yeah. No, love that. Love that. Um, so there's that. And then, so there's, there's one that happened yesterday. <laughs> that I, put down. I mentioned to you um, off air. And I think we even in, in the news episode, uh, watching my obsession right now with the adventures of young Indiana Jones, which is the re-edited version of the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. So there is oodles of, oh my gosh, that Star Wars person's in it. Uh, and a lot of them I knew, uh, and there's still some surprises, like Bruce Boa, General Rykan. <laughs> He's an ambassador, the episode Oscar. And I had one of those, like, wait a second kind of moments 
Um, and that's not a name, you know, it's a name, Bruce Willis is a name we're familiar with the Star Wars fans, but I don't even know his resume. Like, I, you know, I haven't taken the time to look at his, his long career, I'm sure. Um, so that was kind of fun that, that even, uh, in the nineties, uh, Lucas is like, Hey, you know, I like General Rican. Let's get get him in here. <laughs> that was kind of fun. Yeah. I understand Kirshner had a good time with him. Bring him on in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So those are your first two. Those are my first two. And the final two are, are two big ones. So I got Carrie Fisher, Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill. Um, mm. here's the, so I am a huge fan of, of the movie When Harry Met Sally. Uh, love it. I love it for a lot of reasons. I love it also for some of the screenwriting aspect. When I was studying screenwriting in the 90s, one of my favorite movies to kind of dive into. And uh, just a fan of it. I uh, love it. Love it a lot. I've seen it well over 60 times in my life. Love it. Mm. Uh, and, and Carrie Fisher and, and Bruno Kirby uh, are the kind of the co-stars with Billy Crystal Meg Ryan in that. And I was, by the time the movie comes out and I'm watching it and owned it on VHS and everything, burned the copy, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> burned the tape away watching it over and over. Um, obviously, I knew, you know, Carrie Fisher for many, many things uh, uh, beyond, you know, knew she wasn't just Princess Leia, though pop culture would only remember that. So, but I just, I love her performance in that movie. And I just love how she plays it. And I love everything about it. And, and in a movie that has so many memorable scenes that are pop culture and, I'll have what she's having, all that stuff. And you got a, a powerhouse like Billy Crystal. You got Meg Ryan, uh, arguably in that height of her stardom kind of period of time. You, you, you have a lot of wonderful, powerful, emotional moments coming from, from Carrie Fisher, uh, opposite Bruno Kirby, and um, love some of it. Love it. I will never, never want that wagon wheel coffee table is one of my favorite lines. And it's just so Carrie. <laughs> and for someone who would, um, you know, I think got to show some, some, some of her chops. You know, this is a you know, well-trained uh, actor, you know, went to, was going to drama school in London at the time, New Hope, everything. She, I think she shows her chops in, in Star Wars, but it's Star Wars, as we know, it's, it's, it's played a little differently, especially there, but I think she's got some great moments. But I just, this is one of those moments, she goes on to be known as a, a writer, uh, in, in a weird way, like a comedic theater performance with her one-woman shows and everything. Mm -hmm. but this, this is a movie reminder to me, just like, as an actor, she absolutely had it and absolutely brought it, and it's one of my favorites. And uh, love it, love it. Revisit it time and time again. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I think I maybe saw that movie when I was an extremely young man. And that's definitely mm. one that I need to rewatch. So I'm not going to wait for a flight to a Star Wars <laughs> Celebration. I make that one a priority. Love it. Love it. And then my final one, as I said, Mark Hamill, um, and this is one to Jackson's question of uh, it caught you by surprise in another project. This is kind of literally um, I, I'm going to uh, Jay and sign the Bob Strikes Back. I am a yeah. fan of the Jane Silent Bob movies. Uh, the last uh, last one, uh, the, the reboot one, made me ball. I love mm. that film. I think Kevin Smith's got a great heart to his stuff. Um, but Mark Hamill showing up as a cockdocker in <laughs> Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back. <laughs> um, man, uh, talk about different time. Internet is, is alive and well, but it's still different. I think that is the great line of what the bleep is the internet line is one of my favorite lines from Jay to, to Ben Affleck in there. Um, love it. But when he shows up, and by the way, Carrie Fisher has appearance too. Um, when Mark Hamill shows up and they actually do do their freeze frame and hey kids, look, it's Mark Hamill. It was a surprise. And it was a surprise because again, you and I've talked about the, you know, Mark Hamill's has a wonderful career. Um, I was even watching an interview today on CNN, like it reminded me that he he really wanted to be uh, a Mozart in, in the movie Amadeus, and, and Milos Forman wouldn't let him because he was Luke Skywalker. And I was, this is this is a guy who has a whole career, and the voice acting thing is well known. But I'm telling you, kids, it wasn't as well known if you weren't watching those shows, which I wasn't. I wasn't a, 
I didn't watch a lot of the Batman stuff, right? I, I didn't know he had that career. I just thought he was a, I don't know, where are they now? Entertainment Tonight artist, <laughs> right? I didn't know. And so by the 90s, mid 90s, you know, I know he's got some other things. I had heard he, you know, was doing the voice. I had friends who were big fans of those animated series, but I still didn't know. And then boom, he shows up and I just had so much joy. It was like, God damn it, Luke Skywalker's on my screen. <laughs> crazy and i love that performance and it just shows he's he's he when he wants it he's over the top he is a he's a fan of comedy he is he's he loves to play and and uh, brings a certain energy and, and and um charisma and presence and so i love that mark hamill and jane silent bob strikes back oh they, they you're making me think of uh mark hamill in the late 80s early 90s on the uh i think it was maybe 90 actually the flash television show uh, mm. playing the trickster uh this, that oh, was geez. that was amazing. That was extremely early superhero uh, television uh, attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it mm-hmm. ended up coming back and, and playing the character in the new Flash series. Uh, that you know that new series that ran for nine years and just ended. You know the new one. The new one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's great. Those are great. Uh, yeah, it's, there's so many ways to a- approach this question because there's so many different yeah. times <laughs> in yeah. life. Um, I discovered uh, for myself uh, an appreciation for Scream on on DVD, renting it uh, before I even had a DVD player. Or not before I had a DVD player, before I uh, actually did. I rented it on VHS. And then when mm. I bought my first DVD player, the Scream box mm. set is one of the first things I bought. Anyway, uh, Carrie Fisher was a delightful surprise in, in Scream 3. Uh, didn't know uh, she was coming there. Uh, mm. And, and it's, it's a very Carrie Fisher uh, role as well um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah enjoy that one very much very funny very uh very carrie fisher um for for recent things um i'm just always on uh oliver ford davies watch yeah, yeah. <laughs> as i love seal bibble and he pops up lots of places uh one of the first things uh that I was going to talk about as well as the, the, all the prequel stars in, in young Indiana Jones, uh, all of her four Davies pops up right away. Uh, Pernella August. And one of the, uh, great joys of watching that show is seeing, uh, Lucas meet the actors. He will then cast <laughs> yeah. in, in the prequels. So that one's a, a, a high up one for me. Um, I'm a big fan of the movie from 2018, uh, Christopher Robin. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't listen to any sort of like really intense, hardcore Winnie the Pooh podcasts, but my, <laughs> but my understanding is that people were a, a little meh on Pooh um, uh, on this version of Pooh. But I love that film. It's so it's so beautiful and gentle that I mean, the basic conceit is Christopher Robbins, an adult and he's so stressed and he's lost any connection to the magic and the joy and Pooh brings it back uh, a story i need to hear often but mm-hmm. i i partially went to it because like i liked the trailer and it made me laugh and it's like okay obi-wan kenobi is married to agent carter and the 12th doctor plays a bunny i'm gonna go see this uh and then i i everybody knows this i just forgot that you know uh that uh Pooh and hondo are one in the same uh jim cummings so then i was like oh yeah this is hondo <laughs> coming back into Obi-Wan's life. And then Oliver Ford Davies was there and uh, Amanda Lawrence, uh, who, who plays Larma Dassey. Uh, so it, that, that thing's just loaded with Star Wars from all different eras and perspectives. I love that. I, I, and and I put, the spirit of this question is even 
uh, you spent all these years watching the movies and you understand actors in the industry and jobs, you still get excited because they're Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing for me, my last two that I'll, that I'll list is mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not surprise. It's more of like a, a, an ongoing joyful hunt that it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense because of the way uh, and where the original trilogy was filmed in the UK uh, that there's going to be crossover with uh, with my beloved beloved classic Doctor Who, but also with uh, with James Bond. Um, mm-hmm. And a couple of my favorites, uh, I've I've seen all the James Bond films many many times. Uh, but my wife and I did a, a full rewatch. We got to Octopussy from 1983, and uh, it's loaded with Star mm-hmm. Wars actors in different contexts. Um, Jeremy Bullock is a is a, a limo driver named Smithers. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, oh, cool. That good for him. But then Bruce Boa, Rican, as you said, uh, mm-hmm. is in there, and he's uh, palling around uh, with uh, Richard La Parmentiere, uh, Admiral Mahdi, and then uh, General wow. Maydean, Dermot Crowley shows up as well. Octopussy. Oh, wow. It makes sense because it's 1983. It's you know yeah. when all these actors were were working. But, you know, you're all caught up in the tension of like, oh, no, James Bond needs to dress up like a clown to stop <laughs> nuclear war. And he's got to convince Reekin and Mahdi that there's a problem, you know. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, it's bang for your buck. Hey, that's a Star Wars actor. <laughs> Octopus is the place to go for me. That's great. Uh, yeah. And one of the sometimes it's they like for for classic Doctor Who, particularly if I'm watching something from the, the 60s or the really early 70s. It'll be like, wait, could that possibly be this very minor character from the original trilogy? And my favorite of that is there's a a, a classic Doctor Who serial. Uh, it's the the second Doctor era, um, and it had only been discovered in like the late '90s. It was thought lost. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the Tomb of the Cybermen, and uh, one of the joys of watching classic Doctor Who that was you know made in a completely different time is. You know, with all these kind of these workaday actors, uh, the shows were shot incredibly fast. It was science fiction, but they were basically shot like live plays. Mm. Um, you just you're on a soundstage and got cameras pointed at it and and go and you play the whole scene. Um, so that's that's the environment that these actors are in. Mm-hmm. And when they attempt American accents, it's always a fun challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this uh, this character in Tomb of the Cybermen played uh, called Commander Hopper, who's just got a lot of big American. Like I'm going back to my rocket. Like it's really funny, funny. <laughs> that part of it was the the bravado and the obsession with his rocket was very accurately American. Um, right. But one of my I've watched that one dozens and dozens of times. But the last time I watched it with my wife was like, mm. wait. That face, that squint. Uh, it, it is the actor. I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, George uh, Rubeck, uh, mm. who plays uh, Prodigy or second officer in the credits from A New Hope. Uh, he's the no transmissions were were sent guy right. on uh, Tanda V Four. That's awesome. And it's not yeah. even his voice. He was overdubbed, so it's just he's like I just recognize this squint. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So, it's a fun one it, it, to, to have all, all three of these, um, these worlds that I so like, Doctor Who, James Bond, and Star Wars, interconnected and find some fun surprises there. Love it. Love it. These, these casting offices, you know, you got these yep. uh, wonderful Rolodexes to draw from. 
Yeah, and just such a different era. It was just like, well, it's, uh, it's just, uh, well, I go down and I get a I get a list and maybe I go over here and do this. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the other great part of Jackson's uh, question of when are mm. they going to bring Naboo back? Uh, this is one of my deepest uh, desires for returning yeah. environments. Uh, where are you at with your Naboo desires? <laughs> my Naboo and, desires, yes. <laughs> yes, uh, the perfume that Jar Jar sells. Um, <laughs> do you have do you have visions of do you want to come back do you have visions of when where how um i'll be honest i don't have this any specific when where how i but my naboo desires are high i much like uh the desires for coruscant were very high especially after rogue one and you had a glimpse of it right we were all Mm -hmm. like oh you looked out the window i think we we a lot of us Star Wars fans, we wanted to see it. We wanted to see an animation. We started to spend some time there, uh, season seven, Clone Wars, and everything. But to go back in, in, in a major way, uh, and or uh, Mandalorian season three and, and other other spots, like it was, it was, it was, uh, it was fulfilling. I, I still love it, and I still love just imagining life on that planet. I think of the many reasons I, I love Dexter's Diner, the fact that, well, yeah, that's where I would be if I lived there. <laughs> if anyone knows me, I love my diners. So I uh, became obsessed with it. And then we, it, it's happened a few times. I still want more Corson, but I think, yeah, my, my, my heart has turned um, towards Naboo. Um, it's a little bit of a, the prequel love vibe of just seeing it and seeing it exist. Um, I think it's a, you know, you could go shoot there if you want to make a practical and, and go to, to Lake Como again and, and just get some beautiful, beautiful shots if you want. So I, I think I'm ready. And there's a lot to the planet uh, with it being, you know, Padme, Palpatine, Gungans, a lot going on there. And I think some of the times they returned to it in the Clone Wars were very fulfilling as well. So I uh, would love it. Um, there's, to me, it doesn't, even Ahsoka, Ahsoka was there for Padme's funeral, as we know now, which was a bit of a return to it, I guess you could say. I, it's to me not as key to her story as other characters, right? Um, but you know, with Natalie Portman saying, "Hey, they asked, I might come back." I mean, there's there's ways to do it. Um, I think I, I a second season of Kenobi, some sort of flashback, some sort of not that he needs to return, but maybe there's other characters to go. I don't know. I would love to see it and feel it um, post the fall of the Empire, and then post, uh, or, I mean, excuse me, post post fall of the Republic, and then again post fall of the Empire. In, in, in a major way. And I want to point out, too, video games, the Battlefront 2 story, we go there uh, for the Battle of Naboo. Uh, Chuck Wendig's Aftermath, the, the, the epilogue of Judge Binks takes place there. All that it, We've been there, but, you know, in, to the spirit of the question, in a major way. Yeah, we have not been there in live action. Yeah. And I love that Ahsoka scene. I love that that reveal. I love the conversation with Bale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's some quality Naboo content, but it is also at like a an event that we know. Um, yes. So I think that that makes it a little bit different for me too. Yeah, I, I for me there is just the like, uh, hey, I, I love that, and I'd love to see Naboo again, just like I'd le- at this point love to see Bespin again because we haven't, mm-hmm. you know, it, it hasn't been over uh, <laughs> overexposed uh, in live action or even animation. Uh, so there's the oh, I just love those environments. But Naboo seems like it has such vital storytelling, like you're saying, because of um, Padme, but also because of Palpatine. One of the Lego shows goes into like there's a museum about how great it is that the Emperor comes from here. But so the special focus that Naboo would have during the reign of the Empire, where it is a planet that would normally lean toward opposing the Empire, 
but mm-hmm. needs to kind of be a little jewel of the galaxy to celebrate the home world of our mm-hmm. beloved Emperor Palpatine, that there's such great opportunity for tension there. Yeah. That I'd love to see that. And then to get a sense of how, what, what was Naboo like during the, as, as the Alliance began to form and as uh, mm-hmm. things ratcheted mm-hmm. up, what was it like? And now that there's a chance to rebuild after the fall of the empire, you know, yeah. What is it like? Because we did. It's not. It's not just a planet we visited. It's, uh, it's a culture that that had a set of beliefs Mm. uh, that Padme Mm. upheld and represented, and seeing the arts district and uh, seeing the way their politics were structured and all all these great things. Anyway, uh, some candidates for me is uh, if it works narratively, Bad Batch season three would be great because I think one of the things that Bad Batch has done so well is kind of a tour of the galaxy as mm. uh, the Empire's Fist closes. Um, mm. so maybe, yeah, like, and I, they did such a great job of um, upping the tension of those uh, those horrible episodes where the unspeakable thing happened uh, mm. towards the end of season two um, by going to Tarkin's homeworld and feeling mm. like we are putting our head in the lion's mouth um, mm. that I wonder if you could get that too by going to palpatine's homeworld um the place that i think it's most likely is uh, this is a daring prediction that others have made so i'll be daring with friends uh mandalorian season four grogu flashback i do think there's a good chance that that grogu gets taken to naboo yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and i would i would Mm -hmm. love that uh Mm -hmm. final one is Heir to the Empire would be pretty fascinating uh, mm. to see how Naboo is functioning within the new government and what yeah. what how do how do they react uh, to this giant new threat? Yeah, it'd be a good spot. God, oh, I, t- I, I got to admit, I think I totally forgot about Mando season four because uh, <laughs> my hopes that Grogu ends up in the arms of Jar Jar are out of control. I don't talk about it a lot, but uh, <laughs> that's a big one I want. Uh, yeah, you're, you're not alone. I think. Let's just do it. Let's just let's just let Ahmed Best have a conversation with himself. <laughs> ah, that'd be amazing. God. Let's uh, let's have uh, Jar Jar uh, lash his tongue out and Grogu catch it with the Force. Come on, why not? Try to yeah. eat his tongue. I want to see Grogu try to eat Jar Jar's <laughs> tongue and then have to be told no, 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 no. Yeah. That's <laughs> Uh, All right. Great. Great question, Jackson. Thank you so much. Uh, We're going to move on to a question from Anakin Crespin. Hello, Anakin. Anakin says, hello, friends. The look and technology of the Old Republic era in Legends was very similar to that of the prequels and beyond, probably even too similar if you think about it. But in canon, the High Republic has already established many changes in the mere two or three hundred years before The Phantom Menace. Because of this, I was already pretty curious about how the technology in the Old Republic was going to look going forward, but instead we'll first be going back even further to the dawn of the Jedi 25,000 years before the current era. That originally had me thinking that perhaps there wouldn't even be space travel yet at that time, or at least travel by hyperspace. But James Mangold has said that despite being set so far in the past, the film will not be pre-tech and not to expect a Stone Age version of a Star Wars movie. So, says Anakin, that said, though we are many years out from this film getting made, what do you think space travel and technology could be like during the time of the first Jedi? Do you think people can already travel through hyperspace or do you think that hyperspace capabilities weren't developed until later after Jedi were the first to access hyperspace uh, with the force like Vernestra Rowe or Marie Santeca as speculated in the High Republic books? 
Do you think the technology of the time will allow for stuff like a galactic central government? Will we see lightsabers by the end of the film? Anyway, I'm not taking any of this too seriously or anything. It's just for fun. Smiley face. Hmm. So good luck with the speculation and may the force be with you. Thank you very much, Anakin, for the very fun question. I think we've got so much Star Wars news coming out of Celebration. If Dawn of the Jedi was the only film they announced, this Hmm. would be an even bigger point of discussion because it's a great one to think about. Uh, Ken, Hmm. where do you go with this? I go. It's it's a it's it's I think it's it's an important enough question as we get you know as we get closer to that movie, which we're not close to that movie yet. I don't think, but I I, I do I do think it matters, and I I I sometimes see matters in the way where like I sometimes see those critiques of the differences between the technology in the prequels and sequel that sequels, but original trilogy, but also the similarities and and you know silly debates of. You know, why did the Naboo ships, uh, the Nubian ships look so beautiful and elegant, but then the X-Wings and everything seemed kind of beat up. And that's been explained many times over in terms of real world stuff. Um, but but um, there's a balance to me where you want to, I do want to f- have it uh, in, in this Don the Jedi film. I do want it to feel different. It would make sense that it's dramatically different, but I don't like to spend a lot of time there. And I don't want to, we got enough to build with the Jedi Order and the Force to spend too much time with, well, how are we going to get there? Is not necessarily something mm-hmm. that I enjoy. It's not that I want, don't want these questions answered because I love the High Republic stuff of you know the, the Mars Hanteca stuff, and we're, we're, we we know how to get around, but we're figuring it out, and and also who owns these lanes, all that kind of stuff. I think there's some important important storytelling. Uh, the example I go to, and 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 it's just like if you're sitting and you're developing these movies, and not to put the the creativity into those boardrooms, but like. I think it's some. It's fun to design whatever to have the the lightsaber attached to the power cord, like the legend stuff. You know, the first early lightsaber things, which reminds me of the early, um, uh, you know, cameras and that used to have carry a VCR around uh, strapped <laughs> here back when I was you know in video production in high school. Uh, I do go to like the, the Game of Thrones world experiences. This, this was gonna this was going to be a thing where you know, House of the Dragon comes out. It's 150 years or so before. Uh, the series that everyone's familiar with, and it's pretty much the same, right? And I've seen people tweet about that, why why they don't like it, and it doesn't seem realistic that 150 years, there's not too, you know, there should be more dramatic differences, which again, I understand, it's, it's realistic. I'm not there for that. But the the series that was going to go first, which they did the pilot that no one's ever going to see, the Blood Moon, which was the Jane Goldman-led series uh, starring Naomi Watts, was thousands of years before, and in the description of the show, there was just the way that the world is set up and, 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 and Hey, here was, here's what's coming. It wasn't even that the, the names you're familiar with might not yet be there with some of the houses that fans love the castles, the fortresses. I mean, you're looking at, you know, straw huts versus <laughs> castles and what that might look for. And, and would it be hard for people to connect if they just want to pass through and watch dragons burn things? This might not be for you. Also, there weren't dragons. And it was, I, it was not why the show didn't go. There was other reasons uh, for this. Again, this pilot we'll never see. Um, probably books c- could be written on it, but that was one of the concerns. It was like, well, what we got to be careful what we're getting here. The wall might be the only thing we know that people are familiar with in that world. And it's not going to look like the world that they tune into. Um, mm. That could be something that I would be not worried about, but there's a balance to find it. So would it be great to see a Jedi go, all right, Hey, I'm going to try this thing called a lightsaber. Sure. Um, but if you spend too much time on it, it might not feel like the world. But again, this might be a moot point to a lot of folks who are like, no, give me that. Or nah, I don't really care. Just give me the story. Obviously I'm here for the story, but I do think you have to think about it a little bit when you put together star Wars stories. 
And I, I really agree of being aware of what are the elements that make this feel like the thing that it is. And, and obviously we always want the new in star Wars, but how can we, how much can we strip back and still make it feel mm-hmm. like it is the same, the same galaxy, but just in an earlier time is a, kind of a fun balance to figure out. I think your game of Thrones yeah. examples are great. A uh, couple places that my mind goes is the way that Mangold has described this is this religious epic. I think that there's a possibility, speaking of new, that it covers more time than we're used to a single Star Wars movie covering. Mm-hmm. Uh, the amount of time that a Star Wars movie covers is already up for for great debate of mm-hmm. how long was Luke on Dagobah compared to uh, how long were they in the, the ex- yeah. <laughs> Exegorth's Valley, all that stuff. Um, but for a religious epic, mm-hmm. uh, it might span a good chunk of time all by itself. I mean, things like Spartacus chart years and years and years of the characters' lives. Right. Um, in Mangold, um, it, it's hard to look up some of his interviews because you you try to Google James Mangold and Dawn of the Jedi, and it, it's hard to get to actually his interviews without <laughs> uh, yeah. a bunch of explainer uh, videos uh, that mm-hmm. may or may not be uh, entirely accurate. Not Star Wars Explained. Always <laughs> accurate, Star Wars Explained. Uh, but anyway... Uh, I, he has said that it's the discovery of the force and the creation of the Jedi, which to me, like mm. that suggests a longer story that suggests, uh, mm. we, we have, we have a name for this thing that n- many civilizations and cultures have, have felt, but, but now people are act- actively using it. And now if that's all true, then who should we be? You know, right. it right. seems almost like connected beats, but, separate beats the discovery of the force and the creation of the Jedi. So I think that we might even see technology evolve within the film itself. If it covers a a wide enough uh, span of time. I love that. I love that take. I love that thought. It'd be great. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really curious about that. Uh, I'm also, uh, I think that there's a lot of great storytelling opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was such a great move for the High Republic to say, yeah, hyperspace exists and it has a long time, but we're kind of in this era of expansion where a bunch of lanes have been discovered. So so people know that that planet exists way out there and and you could always go to it, but it took a real long time. Now Mm -hmm. you can get there even faster. You can get there in time for the fruit from this one planet to not spoil. Right. Um, Right. And they made that a part of their storytelling of, how does that change affect the galaxy? And it, it's it in the first phase of the High Republic. To me, it's so baked into the story and the philosophy that Lena So, the Chancellor, is able to say, "Well, now we can all be connected. We can all be together. We can easily come from place to place and share foods, uh, share cultures, share perspectives. We can be in this together." And that's because the technology is creating it. Mm. So I, I'm very curious to see how much the technology is not just sort of like um, fun window dressing or flavor, but how much is it motivating the story if, you know, people from more uh, core worlds are connecting with these ancient beliefs and mm-hmm. formalizing it into this thing that they are calling the force and deciding that it's it, it's uh, it's the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the idea that hyperspace travel is there in some rudimentary form, but it's, it's very, very 
slow and it's very dangerous. Um, yeah. I think uh, my mind really goes to just like some, some real life stuff where, you know, the, the our world was from the perspective, particularly of a uh, European teaching uh, mm-hmm. was being explored. And it wasn't like you could just, if you lived in Germany, you could hop on over, <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, but these quote unquote discoveries were affecting uh, huge, huge things. Um, I, I've, I've talked a couple of times about uh, working at uh, Mill City Museum in Minneapolis, which told many stories, but one of them was uh, there's a, a waterfall in the Mississippi River. Uh, it is currently called St. Anthony Falls because it was first seen by um, uh, a, a priest, Anthony. Um, mm. And uh, and, and uh, he and other explorers reported back to Europe that there was this massive waterfall. So it was known of, again, I want to say this gently because of course the people who lived there, they knew it, they had a relationship with it. But from the perspective of people who saw it as (laughs) a power source. Are you talking about our waterfall? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. People knew about it for hundreds of years of, Hey, when we, when when we finally get over there and take that. Mm -hmm. So, um, it, it, and even in the early settling of, uh, again, I'm using all this the language that I was taught that is loaded. Uh, but when uh, the the person who eventually legally successfully claimed uh, uh, St. Anthony Falls uh, was this guy named Franklin Steele, kind of known as the the father of Minneapolis. I played him. And and told his his story in the museum. I had to That's put on an old timey suit, and oh, uh, yeah, it was it was, it was a, a weird and a wonderful time uh, <laughs> of my life. But anyway, that was always a fascinating story because um, he was. This was 1838 that he he made the claim, and he let, he was you know born in America mm. and from a wealthy family. And there was kind of a little conversation on the East Coast of like, well, which of our sons should we send out to claim that waterfall the second we can from the government? Mm. Wow. Um, so th- sorry for the long uh, story about the founding of Minneapolis. But the point is to me, there's interesting stories in that if there is like mm-hmm. sections mm-hmm. of the galaxy who are like, we've never been there, but some guy told us 800 years ago that there's this planet where the, you can get these powers. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there's way to it. And you were touching upon it too, of just like, we know, we know we can get there, but it's a risk to get there. Adds, adds a lot of value to the stories. This is, this, this is totally, maybe a weird connection, but I love doing that kind of stuff. Uh, this weekend, catching up on non-stores reading, reading uh, David Hepworth's book on 1971, the year in music that, which uh, had spawned the Apple doc I was talking about too. Uh, talking about going to quote make it in America, right? Uh, this is 1971. Artists like Bowie and those people. It, it wasn't. It still wasn't easy to get to him. Like literally, wasn't easy to get to America. Yeah, access to flights. Even some of the first flights, you know, that, that made it affordable, quote unquote, were, were in like 1970. So the the story of the the old uh, you know the UK uh, rocker with a dream to go make it America had added weight of I know I can get there. People have been there. The Beatles went there and they told us about it. Uh, the stuff. <laughs> um, it, it still was. It, it was a thing. That's why 
going to quote make it American in terms of you know pop culture and music and everything had had uh, yeah the mythos was larger than the, the journey almost. And if you could just do that in Star Wars of like we need to get there, what you're describing, hey, there's a planet with these things on it. We can't just hop on a ship. We can, but the 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 fruit might rot. But also. It, it, it's perilous in a lot of ways, not just perilous journey and they're going to find space whales and pirates and all that kind of stuff, but just like it, 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 it is, it, it is a thing to do it. Capital. Yeah. T. So I'd like the idea of like, you know, I'm not saying this is going to be the story or that, but you know, if this is set on Octo, at least partially, and there are rumors that there's, there are these, uh, the people with, with abilities and your kid has a weird ability and there's some parent who's like, well, he's, mm-hmm. he, my kid's four. I'll, I'll get on this, this, this sketchy flight and we'll get there when when the kids eight <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. that that's fascinating um yeah. into anakin's question about like central government um i i think there's going to be a lot of um well i shouldn't say i think there's going to be i would be fascinated that if there's a lot of like there are big empires or coalitions mm-hmm. but not a central government like just mm-hmm. big territories fighting to lay claim to the galaxy um, I, to me, it makes sense that the Jedi rise. And I think Mangle has said something about this, a difficult time, you know, that maybe a lot of these kind of old powers that are not centralized are at war, you know, there's greed, terror, you know, uh, raids, uh, a reason for the Jedi to rise, uh, to give hope to war torn galaxy of, if, if it is like, I got to make the trek to this, uh, planet, but good chance I'll die on the way. Cause a lot of people die on the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I haven't spent a ton of time thinking about this movie to this question. Uh, yeah. And I love this. So thanks for this. Yeah. yeah. Very exciting. My final thought, Ken, is about lightsabers. I mm-hmm. feel like they're so, so vital to the, uh, you know, uh, iconography of the Jedi, to the legend of the Jedi. I do hope that a version of lightsabers is in this movie. I could see a version of this movie where the last shot is the first lightsaber powering up, but. I hope they're more involved in that. How do you feel about the the lightsaber of it all? Do you feel like that's essential when it's called Dawn of the Jedi? I, th- I yeah, no, I would call it essential. I I like what you're suggesting that it um there's a bit of a reveal. And 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 you're not suggesting this either, but I I don't need it to be like, you know, three Jedi and a droid in a lab going by golly, we got it. We figured out how to do this. <laughs> I don't necessarily, but also I don't know, you can find a way to do it, but yeah, it's important, right? It's important. So whether whether we see the first ignition or the first improved ignition of a lightsaber, uh, I, I I'd be on board with it. But I, I do think they have to factor in. And, and you know, and again, if someone let's just say someone does emerge from a a hut and says, "Look what I built," and 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 what that means to everybody, and, and what different interpretations of that weapon are, mm-hmm. or maybe someone's like, "Oh, it's not a weapon. It's a that's obviously there's great purpose behind that." So it has to factor in for me. Yeah, I'm excited for the philosophy of the lightsabers and also seeing if you have to wear a large backpack <laughs> to power them. I would love that in a weird way. My high school uh, self who had to lug around a VCR around to film little sketches would love that. Uh, I would love that. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with another question and a power of the light side back in a moment. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And we are back with one more question from Twitter. This comes to us from Tony Poirier. Tony says, so sometimes uh, you get screeners for new episodes, but when you have to stream them like the rest of us lowly plebes, uh, <laughs> when do you choose to press that skip button for recaps, opening credits, etc.? Oh, and not necessarily just for Star Wars either. Thanks. Thank you, Tony. Uh, I think you probably know the first thing we're going to say. There's no such thing 
as Lily Plebs. Uh, we we do the podcast. Sometimes we get screeners. Sometimes we do not. And we are very lucky uh, to to have them. But no such thing as a Lily Plebe. I know you're joking, Tony, but I need to make sure <laughs> mm-hmm. that no one thinks that we think that way. Uh, Ken, what are your thoughts on skipping stuff? Yeah, yeah. I never do. Never do. All right. You're talking to someone that Game of Thrones theme plays. You listen to it. All right. You never skip it. I'll tell you what I did. I watched all, what is it? Seven seasons of the Gilmore Girls on Netflix. (laughs) Seven seasons of 22 episode network television. And they have a long theme. There's a song, there's credits, there's freeze frames, laughing. Oh my, I never skipped it. I just, uh, and I'm not a completionist in a lot of other things in life. I can, I can leave a lot of things on the table. Um, there's just something about it. And, and I'll say there's also no like high calling for the art of it or for me, you know, like uh, it's part of the experience. I think that's true. I just enjoy it. And also when I'm settling to rewatch something, um, I love, you know, if I'm on a treadmill watching Game of Thrones, the credits are playing and I'm, you know, getting into the mindset. Like, all right, cool. I'm, you know, now up to this speed on the treadmill and I'm going to walk. Or if I'm, you know, last email check. It's like, I use those credits. I use them <laughs> work for the show. Uh, this is some great stuff. I, uh, this is going to turn into Gilmore Girls Center for <laughs> just a moment. Because uh, Gilmore Girls is central to my journey. Uh, I don't skip credits. Uh, mm-hmm. I love them. Talk more about that. But I can't, I, I haven't even heard it in a long time. The song got on my nerves. Uh, so, um, <laughs> yes. Relatively early in in our marriage, uh, you know, Sarah and I were sharing things with one another and she's like, I really like that Gilmore Girls show, but I never finished it. And I was like, I've never seen it. And I got hooked and I loved it. But it's like after the first couple of episodes, like that theme song gets on my nerves. So <laughs> so we skipped it and uh, and I learned my lesson um, because uh, there's a thing in the credits that ended up uh relating to a future job that my wife had uh that would have been good to know but because i was being a grumpy little a-hole we skipped it so uh we did a partial rewatch of gilmore girls uh several years ago now when the the continuation came out and i was like we're not skipping the credits this time and i was like the credits are great the song isn't that bad i was a fool i was a fool Mm. 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 yeah Uh, look uh, you know, I'm not going to say uh, you, you deserved it, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's what you <laughs> I deserved it. I deserved it. Uh, that was, but that was a rare occurrence. There's something about that song. And like I said, I can't, I couldn't hum it for you. I couldn't tell you what it is. I couldn't tell you what I don't like about it. I haven't heard it in years, so I don't remember. Um, but uh, I normally, abs- that, that was an outlier because yeah. I love credits. I think that um, they are a great resource guide you into the story to uh set the mood um it sometimes makes me like viscerally angry that streaming shows offer the skip button and if if people want to skip them and that's their preference i got i'm not mad at the person who chooses to skip them yeah yeah but like i've accidentally hit hit a skip button on uh doctor who and like no, no, <laughs> that is unacceptable to me. And I, and then I go back and it's not like I'm going to miss something. Uh, right. So Dr. Who uh, Twin Peaks is a very much a slow down, get in the mood. Um, 
The mm-hmm. Wire, Succession, Mad Men, Cheers, Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. They're beautiful works of art by themselves, and they really help you. The, the well, well-made well ones really help you get into the mood. And, and even Game of Thrones, it, it shows you where the action's going to be this week and, and <laughs> what's essential, right? It totally does. Yeah, it totally does. It, it got a little less specific as time went on, but yes, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, because it travels the maps too. And yeah, I'm, I pause that one to be like, oh, I, don't, I don't have the book with me now. Where are we going? What? How? how yeah. close, where? Where are they walking? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? So yeah, I, and uh, I love the credits. Never skip them. Now recaps. Do you feel the same way? Is that your last email check, uh, or do you ever skip recaps? I will admit to there have probably been more times where I have skipped a recap to get to things, but at the same time, like if I'm just rewatching something. Maybe not, but also, you know, your place on the timeline and, you know, you need to kind of get reoriented uh, and that, that happens. I need that. If it's for us, if we're doing four center stuff and there is a recap, I need to, you know, like, okay, here's what they're maybe looking to get to and everything. So I generally don't. And, and it factors in a little bit to the, you know, I, I have a, like a lot of us these days, you know, if I'm going to watch something, I got to make sure, is this a time where I engage with my phone or not? <laughs> or am I going to concentrate? Um, so that's, a, those, those are last looks for me, for sure. I also, I also think, you know, I don't think it's necessary to watch the recaps, but even especially in the stuff we, we do here on the, uh, on the, on the deep dives on our episode breakdowns, like, I, I do think it, there's a little art to it. Like they're telling you, they're, they're letting you know, not just the beats, but what's at stake and the themes. And I, I think it, it is present in there and it's important to watch. Yeah. I think there is sometimes the why in there when we, we check in on a specific line from a character, it's not often, it's not just information. It's what does this character care about the most or what are they afraid of? Um, mm-hmm. Every once in a while, I'm tempted to start skipping recaps because I do think um, out of necessity, they tip their hands sometimes. Um, yeah, 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 like the the episode that uh, of Mando season three that did uh, finally deal with the dark saber ownership, putting that in in the the recaps, reminding you that that was an issue between Din and Bo Katan, right, right. Uh, made you go, oh, we're dealing with that this week. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes I would prefer not to know that. So every once in a while, I'm I'm tempted to skip the recaps, but I fear it. Ah, all in on the experiences of the way the creators made it. They're yeah. fine with me knowing this is going to, we're going to deal with the Darksaber this week. Yeah, there, there'd be also some fun, like, Game of Thrones, when, like, especially later seasons, when they were showing, like, in the recaps, something from season one, and you were like, <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, right, like, yeah, somebody died in season one, like, oh, okay, well, either Ice Zombie or, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That yeah, that that's really a particularly fun one for a complex show like uh like Game of Thrones. But that's been happening a little bit in Mando too. We're suddenly like, oh, way back. Okay, all right, all right. Um, the one thing I will skip is I really dislike uh when a show shows you clips from the show you're about to watch. Uh, like you don't need to hook me. I'm watching it. <laughs> oh, gosh. um, I haven't experienced yeah, so, it much. Who are these monsters? Well, some of it's just oldie time. Um, the, the, <laughs> my my wife and I have been watching bits and pieces of uh, of the first season of Remington Steel, like I said, and that one starts with like just a flash of like every twist of the plot yeah. of like 
well, now this person gets murdered, and now Remington gets framed, and now Remington punches this guy. Like, I don't want to know. I'm watching the damn show. Like, uh, so fast forward to those in the Great British Bake Off, and I know there are a bunch of differences in the way they're broadcast, but um, watching them on Netflix, the same thing of like, if anybody's pie is going to fall apart, they show it in this little pre-roll, and my wife Mm -hmm. and I fast forward through that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I take back. I, now I totally get what you're saying. The, the, the next time ons. Um, yeah. And I have, a, I have, a, I think it's case by case. I, I think sometimes I'm all in on say, the Game of Thrones ones, but there was, there was times where I was like, I don't even want to know. Uh, Grace and I, when we watch uh, shows, we don't watch a ton of shows together, but when we do, she doesn't really like watching, um, you know, cause you want to carry it, you know, going to next week, uh, you know, open to what's coming your way and not, yeah. not being spoiled anyway. So I, I totally get you. I totally get you. Yeah, I mean, they're the next times at the end, which I very rarely watch. But like Great British Bake Off, that's at the beginning of the show. Like the hosts do a little oh. joke and oh. then they go, uh, this week, you know, is whatever it is, you oh. know, cake week. Oh, yeah. And then they show somebody's cake fail. I'm like, that's mm. why I'm watching the show. Why would you tell me now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've experienced that with some British gardening shows too. <laughs> What's going on over there, UK? So that's what really gets our dander up, uh, being spoiled on British reality television. This is amazing. This is an amazing section of the show here. We haven't even gotten to uh, Gilmore Girls, Rory, Logan, or Jess. Like, which one is your choice? So deep stuff coming here, unfortunately. Yeah, I was just going to throw it out, but I'm not going to set off that bomb. We'll come back to that. We'll come back I'll just to say that. this. My answer usually uh, angers Gilmore fans. So Gilmore <laughs> I, I think we might be in alignment then. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on uh, from our first episode of Gilmore Girls Center to our Power of the Light Side segment. Uh, we've been saying this for several episodes, so I bet people know the drill. Uh, this is a segment where we have asked uh, patrons on Patreon to submit something positive uh, about Star Wars uh, is a way to just celebrate and to remind ourselves that as much as there can be snark on social media about Star Wars, that there is great joy and profound impact in Star Wars. If you're a patron and you want to submit one, uh, scroll down the post section. It's quite a ways down now, but you'll see the big picture of Obi-Wan Kenobi smiling at the Skywalker twins. Uh, This one comes to us from Will Dixon. Uh, and Will is uh, responding to a direct request that we made on the show. Uh, here's what Will has to say. Bright Suns for Center Friends. Ken suggested writing in about experiences aboard the Galactic Star Cruiser if we had them. So I feel compelled to do so as a love letter to the soon-to-be-retired Halcyon. I must first begin by saying that I haven't discussed my trip at all online until this week. And uh, Will sent this in the week that all the news broke. Um, Will continues. I feared that the perception would be that I was either trying to justify what may be viewed by many as downright irresponsible spending during the pandemic or trying to gloat about the fact I was able to go and use my expertise uh, or experience to taunt the less fortunate. The exception to this choice was to provide a light spoiler play-by-play for the Force Center Discord group because I wanted anyone who is considering the expense to be informed about what they could expect and to have at least one place where I could geek out about it. Uh, Like most folks out there, I saw the price and immediately said, hell no to the idea. I later showed the price to my wife with a can-you-believe-this sort of presentation since she was uh, part of a plan to send our son to Galaxy's Edge with me as his big Christmas present. She then said, you should do it. 
I was in shock she would suggest such a thing so quickly. I said, no, it was way too much money, but the hook was already in. And over the next few months, I began to seriously consider it. What she said that stuck with me was, you're paying for the experience of a lifetime. That's clearly what this is meant to be. Fast forward to the redeeming of all my credit card miles, pooling of Christmas and my savings together, and suddenly it was happening. I worried that there was no way it could live up to the hype. I worried that I would constantly be uh, second-guessing my decision, even if we had a good, IT, uh, a good time, with the idea that it may not have been worth it ultimately. Those fears vanished within the first hour we were on board. The whole place is interactive. Your room viewport looks out onto space in motion. Droids are racing around. You can break into the engineering room, slice terminals, coordinate plans with the droid in your room, play hollow sabacc, meet people in the sublight lounge, talk to officers and scoundrels and aliens and resistance operatives, eat some of the best food you could ask for, fly the freaking ship and learn to wield a lightsaber. The staff is mesmerizing in their roles. They know you and what you've been doing. They are engaging and uh, with what can only be the force at work are able to keep a hundred different passengers storylines straight and advance stories through direct interaction in choices. To give a quick example, the Pantoran Captain Keevan sat at our dinner table for a few minutes while she was making the rounds to comfort the guests due to an unexpected first order occupancy during the Friday evening dinner. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I decided to pull an idea from one of the Halcyon comics that Marvel had run recently. I mentioned the pirate Crimson Jack and whether the Halcyon had ever run into him. She replied wide-eyed and in full character, Oh yes, I am very aware of Crimson Jack. Then she paused. You aren't pirates, are you? It was little things like that mixed with the grand opulence of the Gaia shows, atrium interactions, food, and the overall battle of good and evil, uh, good versus evil aboard the ship. This came uh, to such a head that during the finale, I got choked up again and said to no one in particular, do you realize what they've built here? My son gave a holocron to Ray and still firmly believes himself to be an integral part of canon as a result. Hmm. None of this even includes our planetary excursion to Batu, which was made extra special as you were given fast pass access and wear pins that give you special interactions with the park, park staff. On a purely logistical level, the Halcyon staff was able to get my son and me into Savvy's workshop to build a lightsaber, even though I was unable to get a reservation a few months before. They thought of everything. Uh, but the, the by the time our uh, voyage was ending, I realized our Uber would be there to pick us up in a tight window and literally remember thinking as we boarded the transport, how long will it take to get back to Earth? Mm -hmm. I simply could not fathom that we were just in a decorated hallway and the exit was on the other side of the door. To bring this long-winded essay to a close, I would be remiss if I didn't say how much dark side energy I have to fight when I saw the social media comments at the news of the Star Cruiser's closing. I knew what to expect, of course, but it didn't make it any easier to see how petty people could be over one of the greatest experiences I ever had. Uh, Joseph nailed many of the things that were said in the news show, and this is what prompted me to write this in the first place. I did ultimately decide to break my internet silence about having gone, simply by saying that while I understood it was extremely costly, you got what you paid for. It was a colossal achievement and one of the highlights of my life. Thus far, no one has tried to uh, take me to task about going. I also give a word of acknowledgement to others who I could tell had their own experiences there. The way they write about it let me know they were as moved as I was. 
have no real conclusion to this, so I suppose I write it off for no other reason than to commemorate the epic achievement Disney was responsible for creating and hope that it will springboard them to something equally moving in the future. May the force be with you all, and may be the, the force be with everyone involved in creating the magic aboard the Halcyon. It will not be forgotten in my household. Thanks, Will. That is amazing, and I'm glad you took the time to write it out. I'm glad that you took the time to write it out at length to really get into the heart of the experience of everything from this is really expensive, this really seems like a lot, to uh, the actual impact it made, the how and the why. Ken, what are your thoughts? I, I really appreciate this, Will. And, and um, you know, I, I, I want to, I think you've acknowledged I've, I've had my kind of uh, heart changed over with your, the stuff you said, the new show, Joseph, this stuff from Will of just how to look at this. I, I think I hadn't paid a lot of attention to the, the hotel overall. Obviously knew it, but, you know, I, I you know. It, it, that's what happens in the pop culture news cycle. It costs a lot. Those first commercials looked weird. I don't know. Type that. That that's that's how these narratives get formed, right? Like you and I are in a weird spot where we're we're about to dive into Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And why do people like that movie? Uh, some about a fridge, and that's all. That that that's all right. And again, <laughs> there's other things to talk about, but that's what kind of happens, right? And these things kind of form over time. And I think this is this is one of those things where it's currently right now. It is. Uh, everyone's view is this snarky. Well, of course it was a lot of money and it was silly and da da da. And there's a lot of weird things going on with business and Disney's at the forefront and has been struggling and making cuts and all this kind of thing. So to be clear, this bigger conversations uh, and it is a high price point, but uh, I, I, I think you highlighted what they were accomplished, what they tried to accomplish, what they did accomplish. And, and I think will stories like yours, I totally get why maybe you wouldn't be, online I actually respect that that you're not online going cool i i got to do this it could be taken the wrong way but i think the fact mm -hmm. that you're aware of that uh, shows where your heart was always at um but i think this is valuable we will cl clip out that story we'll someone tagged like matt martin who was in charge of the story <laughs> like like it was um i think they do need to hear that and, and i know uh joseph uh, you've, i think you're familiar with at least one or some of the cast members over there mm -hmm. too and it's like they um they 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 pulled it off, right? And maybe history won't remember what we've done here, but they did it. And I think, uh, Will, your stories are, are important. Yeah, and I I think that it is important for people like Will who've had the experience to share that exactly. Um, um, what Will's Will's wife said of like, yeah, it's really expensive, but it's it's trying to be the experience of a lifetime. And as Will said, it it was worth it. Um. Mm -hmm. And for people to hear that, I think is good because, yeah, of course, it, it is. It's a, it's a bummer that it's not open to everyone. Um, mm -hmm. But some of the technology, some of the story approach, mm. that the the Halcyon, the Galactic Star Cruiser, I think allowed a lot of really great creative people who, yes, work for a corporation, but are creative people who work in this very specific industry of of theme park entertainment that's meant to be immersive. How do we do that where, where people don't just feel like you've been put on a silly hat on and now you're being rushed through a narrative you have no control over? Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how do you make it be meaningful? That stuff can move forward. And hopefully mm -hmm. some of these ideas will find their way into galaxy's edge or maybe smaller offerings that are a little bit more affordable but have managed to bottle some of that magic and 
people need to hear that that this was a triumph creatively so that we can be excited uh when they find new ways to implement that magic yeah yeah and have and have reason to move it forward right that this isn't just a something that's going to be locked away in a time capsule and a youtube channel will do a funny informative snarky mini doc on it years from now you know that this will be something that can move forward yeah Absolutely. And final thought, I'll, I'll repeat the thing that, you know, one of my friends involved uh, shared the the great analogy that, that somebody made of like, you know, there are scales to this and, and going, going to Galaxy's Edge is like, like going to a, a big football game. It's, it's mm. expensive, but this was like going to the Super Bowl. It was mm. this huge, big mega uh, event. And uh, I wish everything involved with Star Wars cost one penny. <laughs> it was open to everyone. I yeah. wish that was the reality. But if you compare it to other other uh, events, it, n- yeah. nobody would judge. I-, I can't imagine somebody judging someone for having a dream come true by going to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, and yeah, I think this fine. this deserves that th- that same framing. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, yeah, I'm glad you got to experience that, Will. Uh, that is, yeah. uh, I'm really happy you shared that story. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for sharing, Will. Uh, and I'm so glad that you and your son had such an amazing experience. That is it. Ken, do you want to let people know where they can find us? I do, I do. We are the Four Center Podcast, and we are found on Twitter at Four Center Pod. Our Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. We are on Instagram and YouTube as well. Podcasts available in a lot of spots. Just search, you'll find us. But you can check iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center. And patreon.com slash force center is uh, where you can support us directly. You can follow me at Ken Knapsack or go to my website, kenknapsack.com. I'm close to uh, announcing some fall locations for comedy with Mark Ellis, but uh, you won't really know uh, yet. So go to that website to find out, but I'll let you know as well. Uh, where can they find and follow you, sir? You can find me on all sorts of different social media. I'm on Blue Sky now. I'm on Twitter, Mastodon, Instagram. You can find me at all those places uh, with the handle at Joseph Scrimshaw at all of them. Uh, but for now, for myself, for Ken, for the lightsaber that only works if you're carrying a VCR on your back, this has been Cues of the Force. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.